TCM is a group of really passionate movie lovers. We always will be, and we always nerdily want to share that, that love with everybody else. You are listening to the official podcast of the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, where we brought an analysis of stigmatized creative expression in film, art, and literature to understand the misunderstood. Your host is Miguel Rodriguez. I'm sitting here with Nora Lil Flores. Um, you know what? I'm just going to have you talk about your position with Turner Classic Movies because I think you'll do a better job at it than I will. Sure. What do you do for TCM? I am Turner Classic Movies social media coordinator, which essentially means that I spend a lot of time talking to people about Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland and Robert Mitchum and Joseph Cotton, and it's an absolutely phenomenal job. I can't think of a better job than that. It's great. It it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, TCM has very intelligent, very passionate fans who are extremely specific with their questions, um, and it's it's several hundred thousand of them versus me. Mm-hmm. So I do what I can to answer people's questions as, as quickly as I can or as thoroughly as I can. It's a pleasure um, and a joy for me to see the community develop over time. The Twitter community is so on top of the conversation. TCM Party leads a lot of that. And as a brand, we're very grateful for Paula, Trevor, and Joel for all they do um, to keep that conversation going. Um, the Facebook community is slightly different, mm-hmm. has a different set of interests, um, but is also phenomenally interesting. So we're just we're very blessed as a brand to have such awesome fans. Speaking of the fans, I find this is like San Diego Comic-Con for classic film fanatics. The type of really detail-oriented passion is there that you'll see at something like Comic-Con or, or a pop culture thing that you'll see at a place like this. What do you think about that? Like, Is that something that surprised mm-hmm. you about people who like classic films? With social media, you get more of a broad overreach of classic film fans. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I started watching Turner Classic when it first launched in 1994. I was a preteen at the time, and the first film I watched on Turner Classic was Greer Garson and Laurence Olivier's Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, which is a very light version yeah. of, of the book. If, if you're a, you know an Austin fan, you know that. How do you do, Miss Elizabeth? How do you do? Jane is somewhere in the garden, I believe. Oh, Miss Jane, I have a message for her from the Bingleys. Should we... Why, yes, yes, let's do that. Fine. Would you excuse us, madam? Very gladly, Mr. Darcy. But even as a preteen, I was excited about detail and minutia in the film, um, from the costumes to the writing to the the nuances and the acting and the humor between Olivier and and Garson. So it it surprises me not at all that other fans who... Mm came into Turner Classic at relatively the same time that I did or the same age or, or slightly older, have that same vigor yeah. with their approach to classic film. And it also doesn't surprise me that just like San Diego Comic-Con, you see people who are interested in in speculation and sort of the fan fiction of mm-hmm. film as well, that, that we love the characters in these classic films we see so much that we, we want to speculate what, what yeah. would happen to these characters if, if they had taken another course or another action. Right, or, or what might have happened afterwards. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whenever we we have sort of conversations among TCM staff, we are 
in awe and in such gratitude of our fans. And I get very teary-eyed about this. It's, it's really, I mean, no, it just, it's just a very, it's, it's a fantastic group of people. One of the things about social media, and this is why I targeted you for that question, is it opens the door to other people with the same passions. Here's a conversation I have a lot. I didn't know that there were so many other old movie weirdos out there. Old movie weirdo being, I'll attribute that to Will McKinley, that's yours, but hashtag old movie weirdo. You know, uh, I, I feel kind of alone until all of a sudden I go on Twitter and there's TCM parties. Oh my gosh, so many people love these films. I've talked to people who've come from, say, Cincinnati or come from uh, Chicago or come from my hometown of Baltimore, and they have some similar stories. And that's, I think, where I want my our conversation to go, because as social media coordinator not only can we now see everybody at once because of the open communications but can we use this as a way to expand the number of people who are classic film fanatics it's a great question and it's one that our general manager jennifer dorian asks and one that my boss Shannon include asks and i think there are two answers Mm -hmm. um the first is yes I think that we can use the public square that is social media, that is the internet, to sort of bullhorn out to new people who are maybe at the edges or the peripheries of that public square and call them in. Strategically, how, how do you do that? That's a good question. There are lots of different approaches. It's something at TCM that we're always willing to experiment, mm-hmm. and we're always willing to reach out to our fans where they are. So there's there's constant planning, constant discussion among staff about you know, how do we find people that, that will love this and that mm-hmm. this will have meaning to? The other answer to that is is no. I think that people have to have a desire to find a community that speaks to them. So on the one hand, as a brand, yes, we can reach out to people. But on the other hand, people have to have the desire to find us. There has to be some innate feeling or some some learned love from mm-hmm. when they're a child, usually through your parents or through your, your extended family, that you yearn or want for something. It's, it's a mutual calling. To get help, to you need to want help. Uh, yeah, in a, in a certain <laughs> way. I mean, it's very honest. So yeah. the notion that social media just immediately makes things easy right. is, is false. Do you find that to be a very uh, a misconception that's kind of pervasive? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that for... You know, social media as a, a profession among brands is very young. It's about five to six years old now. And when brands first started, and this is all brands, um, you have thought leader brands among them, Coca-Cola um, or Discovery Channel, that early on had a better set of, of understanding of how the social community worked. But brands, I think, by and large, thought of it as a broadcasting mm-hmm. platform, and it's not. Social media is about community and it's about interaction. And so there has to be that two-way street. You know, as a brand, are we always going to go out to pull people in and say, hey, you should be a fan because we're fans? Absolutely. TCM is a group of really passionate movie lovers. We always will be and we always nerdily want to share that that love with everybody else. Um, But yeah, there there has to be that two-way street that happens. Another conversation I have is that it seems almost ironic that Turner Classic Movies is so adept at the social media sphere. TCM has been just phenomenal at bringing the 21st century into the world of classic film and 
Something that some people might say, oh, well, that's probably people who like things really quaint or maybe they would have a hard time. You know, if I was going to ask what are some prejudices they might have against classic film fans, uh, would you agree that that would be a prejudice some people might have? You know... I get asked all the time, is it you and a bunch of really old people in the theater? To which I have to say, no, you should go. It's a whole range of people from all ages. I'm so within the classic film loving community that it's hard to to step outside I spend and perceive. a lot of time going outside trying to see. Right. So it, it's not a question that unfortunately I can I can give you a good answer to. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that internally this is a very diverse community mm-hmm. and diverse by which I mean diverse instead in terms of interests. Yeah. You know, they're a, a contingent of people who really love noir and, and they're noir heads, and that's what they know. Mm-hmm. And they love other parts of classic film, but really they're just interested in noir. And then you've got a whole group of people who are really interested in pre-code or a whole group of people who are only interested in silence. So we are extremely diverse among our interest sets. So even within the classic film community that comes to, to the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival and that, that – populates up through TCM Party and, and other parts of TCM social media, mm-hmm. it's not homogenous. Right. You know, and so the, the, the idea that this is a quaint group of people, mm-hmm. I, if that is the outside perspective, I, you know, I find, I guess, I don't, I don't want to sound judgmental, but I would say somewhat ill-informed. Ill-informed, Because yeah. the, more, the more that you get to know this community, the more that you understand that it's, it's just incredibly diverse. It is incredible. Here, here's another reason I want to discuss that and get this out there in the world, and, and I'm glad we're doing it on this podcast, because I tend to get a subscriber base that might not necessarily... Well, actually, my subscriber base is really huge into classic film. It just happens to be mostly like the horror stuff, like the monsters and, the, and noir, actually. Big, but that's very much of interest in, in that sphere. But to break some of those kind of misconceptions, because you hear... Oh, I don't know if I'm going to show my daughter that. I don't know if she'll like it because it's in black and white, or I don't know. If she... And then they do, and they find out. Like we have a uh, Chris Durham here with his 15-year-old daughter. I know. And come on, you can. If my parents hadn't done that for me, and, and I do think. I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher. I teach teachers, so I, ha- I work with all these teachers who are parents who are either maybe they're not classic film fans themselves, but they're reticent to like bring their kids, oh, you know, they're not really interested. They, I don't think they'll be interested if it's not new. So the the best thing to say to uh-huh. somebody who who uses that um, sort of as a, as a line or a mm-hmm. front to, to prevent delving into the classic film world is to say a good story is a good story. Yeah. And, you know, a good story will always be relevant. Jasmine Sturhan's one of her favorite films, and the film that started her classic film love is Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. Right. A good story is a good story, and you're not, you can't change that. The Grim Game, which Mm -hmm. we're showing here tonight at the film festival, Mm -hmm. is an amazing yarn, and it's it's a film that feels so relevant, and the the dialogue is, you know, it's a silent film, but the title cards are so witty, and they feel so contemporary. Some of the pre-code stuff, too, feels very modern. Yeah, and and I, I think that we look back history and think it's somehow deeply removed that somehow Mm -hmm. humans are so different then the fact of the matter is human beings generation after generation after generation have the same set of wants Mm -hmm. have the same set of needs have the same set of insecurities that they have always had have the same set of eccentricities human beings don't i mean we haven't evolutionarily evolved past our own 
constraints of emotional right. development. And I think it's a beautiful thing because it allows us to understand joy historically. It allows us to understand fear historically. You know, if, if somebody says, I, I don't like a classic film, perhaps they just don't like that director exactly. or that series of actors. But it's very specific, or it should be very specific. And the more informed you are, the more specific that becomes. And it's it's really quite hilarious here at the festival or on social media to see just how specific classic film fans can get. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. I will never watch anything with Gene Arthur. Yeah. I will never watch anything <laughs> with, uh, you know, with Fred Astaire. I hate musicals. But they'll get very specific. They're like, but there's that one musical that I really like. Right. There's always the exception to the rule. I think a good example of that was during the Dawn of Technicolor panel, mm-hmm. which is a highlight for me. It was phenomenal. But uh, I'm horrible because I'm forgetting the name of the first presenter who came out for that. But he started it by saying, we're going to talk about old musicals. Mm-hmm. And someone near me said, well, I'm bummed. But then when they actually showed the clips, that was so great. That was so awesome. Because the clips they chose were just so much fun and so mm-hmm. wild and so so fresh because you don't see the clips they chose anymore. It's not what we think of as musicals. It's not like the MGM or golden age of Hollywood musicals. It's, it's something actually pretty radically different. So uh, I do think that it does come from a lack of education. There's uh, maybe a preconceived notion of what something could be when you could very easily say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I might be wrong about something. Absolutely. And I think this applies to any niche interest audience. Right. I don't necessarily consider myself a history buff, but I certainly understand when people get really excited about Civil War reenactment. Yeah. I think it's beautiful and wonderful that people will take the time and interest to recreate You being from Georgia. Stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I can, I may not understand that world, mm-hmm. but I can, or I may not be part of that world, right. rather, but I can certainly understand the desire to. And it's just a matter of being really open-minded and saying, I totally understand why somebody loves NASCAR. Right. I totally understand why somebody loves collecting coins. With any niche community, you have to be able to, to even from the outside, extend your arm in and say, I understand why this is important to you. Do you think social media helps add branches to that arm? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, because it, it extends the public square. Right. It extends the voice to be a global voice. And that's something that's beautiful about the festival, that we have people who come in from Australia, that we mm-hmm. have people who come in from Europe to be at this festival. And it's not as if they come one year and they're done and, and they go back home. People come year after year um, from all parts of the world. Very long, long flight yeah. to get here. The fact that we have this global public square is amazing. Let me give you some examples of some things that have happened that might be interesting to you. So with the TCMFF hashtag, as well as the TCM party hashtag, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second, you start having people saying, what's this all about? Because other people in the Twitter sphere, or whatever you're going to call it, see these, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, oh. And then so now I, I start seeing people jumping in on the with the TCMFF right now hashtag, mm-hmm. which for those of you out there... Turner Classic Movies Film Festival, saying, this sounds like a lot of fun. I want to go next year. And the interesting, sorry to interrupt you here, but I'm, no, I've been it. so excited. <laughs> that hashtag, TCMFF, has for the last three days been trending on Twitter. Which yes, it has. Incredible. It's, yeah. um, and, and entirely because of the passion of the people here at the festival mm-hmm. that they were able to, to do that. That's an incredible thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's funny. Right before the movie starts or when people are in line, 
they're tweeting about the excitement of seeing what they're about to see, and then as they're coming out, the phone, they're tweeting about, that was so great, that introduction, or this and that and the other, and mm-hmm. and everybody starts to see that. I think that kind of excitement is infectious. It is. And now we have things like YouTube, of course, which you can see, you know, 1902, The Haunted House, and Trip to the Moon, and oh my gosh, I think there are so many <laughs> PRC, really bad old B-movies that are freaking awesome too uh and and people are i I see thousands of views on that and i Mm -hmm. think it's not just people who knew those movies existed i think it's a lot of people who are new to it and Mm -hmm. some younger people too when did you find out about the tcm party hashtag and how long have you been in your position when you found out about that i've worked at tcm for just more than a year and a half now okay um and it, when I so first, this is before you. you oh yeah, yeah, well before. <laughs> and so when I went to to do my interview for the position, I'd already done research and knew about TCM Party. Um, so walking into into the job, you know, I knew that that community existed and that as a brand, over time, we would want to find ways to to reach out to that group of fans more mm-hmm. and understand them more. And I, I, you know, I'm I feel blessed to know Paula, Trevor, and Joel. They're great people. They work so hard. And it is, let me be very clear, TCM Party is a fun community, but it is work for Paul or Trevor and Joel to do what they do. And they do it Mm -hmm. so selflessly. Yeah. And they do it so passionately. And it is outside their real lives. And it is entirely outside their real lives. I mean, Paula runs an independent Cinema Detroit, everyone. Cinema Detroit. Not an easy thing to Mm -hmm. run an independent cinema. Not an easy thing to run it in Detroit, specifically. (laughs) And you know, Trevor and Joel both have nine to five jobs. Yeah. So, you know, this is their their life. And every single night, the very least amount of people I see on that hashtag a night would be 20 people. Yeah. And sometimes several hundred, mm-hmm. depending on the film that's on TCM. Yeah. To answer your question, I knew about this as mm-hmm. I was coming into the position. And then the overarching question was, how do we begin to build relationships? Right. Well, I remember when it first started, it kind of started, I think one of the first times TCM was showing something like Them, I think it might have been Them, it was one of those awesome blocks of like giant bug movies, and so it's like, oh, everybody, let's watch this together, but anyway, I remember when the TCM Twitter handle would chime in, and occasionally Ben Mankiewicz would chime in, and people would like lose their minds, <laughs> like, look how awesome this is. And right off the bat, it took off as something really special, and it felt more uh, more like a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people's passions for not only the network, but also for things like the cruise and the film festival and some of these other peripherals really kind of got enhanced. Yeah, I mean, we're so fortunate in terms of, TCM social to have both Ben and Ileana mm-hmm. and Leonard as well be so socially enthusiastic yes. and 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 very authentic mm-hmm. with the community. Yes, very it doesn't loving. come across as, as uh, yeah. I mean, no, it's I mean, you know, Ileana and Ben and Leonard are writing their own tweets. Mm-hmm. They don't have personal brand managers <laughs> doing their work for them, and and so what you're getting is is what they are and. I think that's such a brilliant thing. Um, as a social media manager, I, I really respect and value that, that they're willing to talk with our community as openly mm-hmm. as they are. And they get such a kick out of it. Yeah. They love it. You oh, know, I've seen so many tweets here at the festival of, you know, Ben will just be walking down Hollywood Boulevard and say hi to a pass holder and keep walking. And the pass holder is completely yeah. surprised oh, that yeah, Ben I've just said hi. Yeah, like Ben just waved to me. <laughs> that's, you know, and that's just Ben. Yeah. And, you know, he's, 
he's fantastic. We're, we're really, really fortunate that our TCM family, when we say that, this is not a branding play. This mm-hmm. is not marketing. We really think of the people in the fold that way. It's very genuine, and we feel that way, you know, about our, our staff and about our hosts and about our fans. And that's a lot of that, I think, is led by how how genuine Robert Osborne is. So we're, we're very we're very lucky. I always feel very blessed Let's, to be in a community like this. It seemed like a genuine love for film from the beginning when mm-hmm. uncut commercial-free, all of that, and has remained so for 21 years now. Yeah, I know, so, 21 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of incredible. Let's wrap up by, uh, why don't you tell me, how exposed are you to their programming decisions, like over the course of the year, and do they ever ask you about films you like, or do you ever get excited? Like They say, I think we're going to show this, and you're like, yeah, or... Oh, I get excited about Charlie's programming decisions all the time. Our, our programming, Tavish, the, the, yeah, Charlie yeah. Tavish is our amazing head of programming, supported by Scott McGee, Melinda Cherico, Stephanie Thames. We we have a great programming team, and I oftentimes am absolutely blown away by the themes that they're able to curate. Yeah. Um, and some of the, the lesser-known programming spotlights, I get really excited about. Australian cinema, which is a whole... I, yeah. There wasn't a lot of social buzz about the Australian cinema Friday night spotlight, but I thought that was just absolutely right. brilliant. Yeah, I, I saw the picture show, man, and there was one of those... It was up against Rebel Without a Cause. Mm. And I was like, I love Rebel Without a Cause, but I've seen it a billion times. Right. There's this Australian New Wave film I have not seen with Rod Taylor, and gotta go see that. Right. So I love that kind of stuff. I try to see all the discoveries, the pre-codes, and yeah. And I'm never, I haven't been disappointed yet. Yeah, I mean, both here at the festival and on the network, our programming team um, just does incredibly interesting work. And mm-hmm. and sometimes, and I think Charlie will admit this. I'm gonna maybe speak out of turn here. He'll <laughs> he'll he's willing to to take risks and say I think this is good and I really trust Charlie's film judgment the question kind of like out of sight or right well that was Ann Coates decision interesting um, because you know editor Ann Coates really loves her work on that film and um, and Charlie said this at our meet TCM panel but or I, I don't know maybe it was at the press conference instead but we invite our talent who come here to the festival to also give suggestions yeah and I believe out of sight was Ann Coates pick but we're willing to take chances. Mm-hmm. We're willing to move in new directions. And we oftentimes find that, that our fans will come with us and our fans trust us yeah. because over 21 years, our programming team has inspired that sense of trust. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed by what, by what Charlie's cooking up. The question always gets thrown around of the definition of a classic film. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear these, you know, date ranges, mm-hmm. right? But ever since things, well, TCM, honestly, the programming on TV rather than the film festival per se, I have gotten a sense that classic film, and now I believe, is like a snowball. Mm-hmm. And as, as the years go by and time picks up, newer films get picked up depending on how influential do they become, how much the culture starts to grow or reflect the films and things like that. Some films get forgotten, but some films become classic and it doesn't necessarily have to be oh it's only from 1929 to 1943 that kind of thing right yeah. right charlie tavish has always been very clear about the fact that 
there is no date range for mm-hmm. classics at TCM. We don't think that way. We think in terms of themes and what themes are interesting. And how do you curate a beautiful selection of films together such that the message that you get at the end of watching that block of films is potent for you, is memorable? You know, there, there are filmmakers now who are doing exceptionally beautiful work. And I'm going to speak not for the network right now at all. And, and I should say I'm speaking for myself all the way through here. <laughs> all opinions all are opinions are my own. <laughs> um, I do find it a little grating when people say, oh, they don't make them like they used to. Yeah. They do make them like they used to. Filmmakers are constantly pushing aesthetic boundaries, and you have to search for it. Mm-hmm. If you truly feel, truly, truly feel that they're not making them like they used to, I encourage you to start digging into independent film. I encourage you to start digging into foreign film. I promise you, you will find people who are making them like they used to. You know, I think that as a whole, all of the staffers at TCM just love movies. Yeah. And we love a breadth of movies. And I can't tell you how often I'll walk into, in the middle, nine in the morning, I'm walking into a conversation and my coworkers are talking about the new crop of Academy Award nominees. Yeah. Um, or they're talking about how much um, they love a particular actor they've just seen in an obscure foreign film or a B film that they've <laughs> just watched. A love of movies, I feel like, has to be enduring. Yeah. Now, are there bad movies? Of course, um, but you know what? You need the bad movies bad to make thing. to make the good movies look even better. Yeah, and um, have can have the light without the dark. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's one of my favorite Herman Melville quotes from Moby Dick. Do you remember <laughs> this? There's a as a moment when Ishmael is is in bed mm-hmm. and he's under the blankets and his feet are toasty and yes. the top of his freezing. And he said he would only understand the warmth because he understands mm-hmm. the cold. So this is my way of saying that yes, bad and good. I think we celebrate all of it. Um, and certainly, you know, there have been times that we've purposefully shown bad films, yes. B films on, on TCM, and that's okay. Well, of course. Um, and in fact, here at the festival, everyone thought Boom <laughs> with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor was atrociously awesome. <laughs> and sometimes you just need an atrociously awesome film to make your day. Yeah, I, comp- I couldn't agree with that more. Much love to TCM Underground for that. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have, been at, I have been to every midnight screening that the the festival is done. And the so. fact that you're still awake yes. amazes me. I have slept a night of sleep in the past week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it's so worth it. Good. That might be why I'm a little bit loopy during our interview today. No. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have gotten six hours of sleep for the last three nights, and yeah. I normally sleep eight hours. <laughs> and then I, I come into morning meetings and I bump into people who've slept two hours yeah. and I think, man, I thought I was hardcore, but these people have me beat by such a long shot. <laughs> I, I got to bed last night at 4 a.m. I woke up at 6.30 and I was like, oh yeah, I'm really, but when I woke up, Beth was up already in the kitchen baking cookies. Amazing. <laughs> she went to bed later than I did. Amazing. So, yeah, it's just, I think, what's to come? Oh, got to be up for Hunchback, you know. Mm-hmm. That that keeps us going. That's great. What would be your dream film to see if you could just come and just see a film? At the festival? Yeah. Presuming I, I wasn't working? Presuming you weren't working. If you could just come and oh, enjoy Oh, my and... goodness. I would love for Charlie Tabish to program a little-known foreign silent film that I'm going to mispronounce because I don't speak <laughs> French <laughs> called La Talente. Uh-huh. And the film is one of my favorite of all time. I believe so. Mm -hmm. It's about a young couple just get married and they go on a houseboat 
down a river and I believe end up in Paris itself. But the man who's kind of heading up the ship or actually steering the ship for them starts hitting on this newly wed wife. Um, and the couple, of course, have disagreements. But it's a beautiful tribute to what happens in young love and young marriage and has one of the most sensual, beautiful love scenes I have ever seen in any film. It is, it is hands down the sexiest scene in all of film for me. Mm. And the characters are actually separate. Yeah. And it's a, it, the editing between the two of them in this moment. You know exactly what's happening. I'll just put it that way in my <laughs> euphemistic way. But they are separate. Mm -hmm. And the idea that people can love each other so much that their their sensual love for each other, that their 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 passion for each other transcends distance and mm -hmm. transcends disagreement is just an incredible tribute to what I think marriage should be. Right. I love that film and I would love for Charlie to program that. Hear that, Charlie? I know you're listening to my show right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nora Lewis. Thank you for all you've done to help me come to the show and report on the show and everything else, like helping me get on DCM to talk to Ben about Thing from Another World was the greatest thing ever. Oh, I'm so glad. It was so fun to watch all of those fan favorites. And this is just a, a little insight into me, which is slightly embarrassing. We shot an internal video for sort of our year-end wrap-up. Uh -huh. And it was shortly after the fan favorite segments had aired in Thanksgiving of uh, 2014 that we shot this video. So I go in and I'm, I'm nervous on camera. I'm terrible mm -hmm. on camera. But I'm with Chuck Moore and our on-air team who could not be nicer. And I sit on the stool and I'm shaking a little bit like a leaf. And I'm like, this is for internal use only. This is for internal use only. No one else is going to see this. And Chuck asked me about some of my highlight moments from 2014. And I mentioned how how grateful I was that the studio production team wanted to do fan favorites and came to social media in order to find four fans to do this. And I started getting teary-eyed and started crying <laughs> on camera as I was as I was talking with Chuck. And it means so much to me as a community manager that the people within my community feel like they have access to the network. And that's not to say that you know, we're always able to, to create those ties because there are few of us and, and many fans. But when you do have these moments when you can authentically connect a movie lover to another movie lover and have them share their stories with other movie lovers, to be able to facilitate that is, is incredible. And it's a joy of my job, and I'm so happy to be able to do it through hard nights and, and trials that happen when you live in a community and work in a community. Um, that will, those trials will always come, but there are those transcendent moments when people connect to other people, and to see that is, it's just beautiful, it's a lovely thing. On that note, it's a great time to end. This was great, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> lovely to be with you, Miguel. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later.